Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. So we're going to look at a kind of mini new series just to start the year off. Um, if you want to, you can turn to Hebrews 1 in a digital Bible unless you've been particularly holy this morning and brought a, a real one. No, going, going way back to traditional. Kind of. um, and it's he, just going to Hebrews 1. Before we go there, um, as you're going there, um, I was thinking about this topic on Rochelle this morning. Um, and I was thinking back towards the summer holidays and just the, the funny... Faith actually leave us in the audience is quite helpful. The funny shift that happens that sometimes Levi and Zachary are, at points getting on like a house on fire, then at points we'll be fighting. The next point will be house on fire, next point fighting, obviously because they've got the whole like six weeks together. And it made me remember about, um, it must have been three years ago, maybe maybe a bit longer than that. Um, there's a, a TV series called Ninjago. Do you remember Ninjago, Levi? The Lego ninja thing. Um, and Zach and Levi used to love watching. They still, they've got some toys to do with it today. Um, but as from the name, the, these Lego characters um, have different powers and stuff, but, but they are ninjas. Um, and they're kind of had ninja stuff and this stuff called spin jitsu, and it's fascinating. You're definitely worth a watch when you go home. Um, but Zach and Levi used to watch it a lot, didn't you? you used to watch Ninjago quite a lot. Um, and what used to happen, um, I remember we had to um, stop them watching it for a bit. Why do we have to stop you watching it for a bit, Levi? What, do you remember what happened? Um, their, their play fight, their rough and tumble, kind of shifted from just like rough and tumble to kind of like quite aggressive like ninja moves and stuff like that. That's all yours. Mine. Entirely <laughs> mine, yeah, because I was watching it. Um, um, B- mainly built around the idea that, that obviously within Ninjago there is ninja and all that kind of stuff and it's just fascinating because it, it, it so we stopped watching for a bit and then we started watching a bit when they managed that better but but just the interesting thing for me is that obviously what, what they see what they watch what we see what we watch we, we mirror don't we in some way or another we kind of start to demonstrate that um, for Zach and Levi I was using ninja skills on, on each other um, for other people it might be different things but that's kind of what I want to talk about a bit this morning, the, the impact of what we see and what impact that has on, on what we expect, what we do, and how we behave and how we conduct ourselves. Um, so, Hebrews 1. Um, I love this passage of scripture. Um, and it says this, as I can actually get there. There we go. Okay, so Hebrews 1, verse 1. Says God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days um, spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who, being the brightness of His glory and the express image of, the per- of His person, and upholding all things by the power of His word, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down in the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as He has. In- ha- as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And so we have this introduction to Hebrews where the writer's talking about the fact that 
when we the the God has spoken in times past, He's spoken since the beginning of time to people. He's spoken to them by the prophets. He's spoken to them by the fathers. He's trying to communicate something. God is constantly trying to communicate to people, and we have, it just breaks that idea down that God is when Adam and Eve fell that God was disinterested or God was angry. That's just not true. That God throughout the whole of time has been trying to communicate, trying to speak, and He's done that through the prophets. He's done that through the fathers like Abraham. He's done that through prophets like I like Isaiah and so on and so on and so on and Elijah and Elisha constantly trying to communicate to humanity to say this is what I think this is what I think of you this is what I want for you always trying to communicate and then he kind of builds up and builds up and builds up and then he, he communicates through Jesus and he sends Jesus to earth and, and, and in, the, in the life of Jesus is what God looks like so when we see Jesus interact with people, that's what God would do. When we see Jesus speak, that's what God would say. And Jesus himself says it, says that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So this idea of Jesus becomes the image, Jesus becomes the example of what God looks like on earth. That he's done it in the past, God's communicated through the past in the prophets and the fathers, but it's, it's had limitations, it's had, had aspects where it's not become clear enough. But in Jesus, it's the exact image. In Jesus, it's the perfect representation of what God the Father looks like, what God looks like um so we have this kind of image and the whole of the book of hebrews um is kind of picking up this idea of um the importance of therefore seeing jesus if we if you were to scan through and read through an underline or highlight or star whatever pretty thing you want to do with your bible although you can't actually do it in highlighters can because you've got digital bibles but we'll go past that point um but if you wanted to do it then you would see the amount of times it talks about seeing jesus the amount of times it talk, talks about looking unto Jesus, the amount of times it talks about focusing on him or, or, or looking at him or engaging with him or him being the example or something along those lines, some wording of that, it's just filled in this book. So the whole focus of this book is to try and get this idea across that we need to engage and focus and look in on, on Jesus and whatever that means. And we can unpack that in more detail as we go through today and the next few weeks. But the whole idea is that it's setting the tone for seeing Jesus as seeing God. Seeing Jesus is important. Seeing Jesus, it, it kind of matters. We know that the Hebrews 12 is a famous one, that um, the idea of setting our minds and focusing on him as we run that race. And it's that idea of that constant thing of sitting our eyes and looking upon him. Um, and I'm going to talk quite metaphorical this morning. I'm not necessarily going to get against the practicals of how we do that. We can do that in subsequent weeks and we can reflect on that in subsequent weeks. But I want to just set the tone of what happens when we do this. So if you just go to Hebrews 2, the next chapter. Hebrews 2, and we're going to look we're going to jump a bit ahead. We're going to go to verse 10. It's worth reading the whole thing in context. I, I do recommend that. But for now, for this morning, we'll just go to Hebrews 2 verse 10. And in the same way that Levi and Zachary watched Ninja Argon, there's nothing wrong with it, but in those ninja skills that started to come out, um, as we look into Jesus, a similar thing happens. It starts to change us. Not change who we are, but starts us to become what he's always made us to be. And it says this in Hebrews 2 verse 10. For it was fitting... Um, sorry, no, jump back a bit. Go to verse 8. Sorry, go to verse 8. It says this, finishing off a quote from the Old Testament. It says, You have put all things in, in subjection under his feet. Talking about Jesus. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing. That word's really important. He left nothing that is not under him. But now we do not yet see all things under him, but we see Jesus. And that, that's what he's talking about here, saying, look, Jesus came, Jesus gave his life, 
Jesus lived a life and he died on a cross and he rose again from the dead and by doing that he defeated death. By doing that he defeated every single possible enemy that we can think about. Every single possible thing that was to attack humanity, whether that's poverty, whether that's disease, whether that's exclusion, whether that is lack, whether that is illness, whether that is death, whatever it may be, whatever word we can put, anything that was an enemy to humanity, anything that was an enemy therefore to God, Jesus defeated them all on the cross because it talks about death being the ultimate one and he overcame death by rising again from the dead. Um, and it said he led captivity captive. So everything that tried to cap- make a kind of prisoner of humanity, Jesus led it captive. He, he, he took control of it. He um, was the one that was above it all. And it talks about that here that, that he says, for in that he put all in subjection under him and he left nothing, nothing, no thing, not a single thing was left that wasn't under subjection, that wasn't um, overcome by Jesus, nothing at all. And this, this for me is the beautiful line about it. Um, but now we do not yet see all these things put under him. So he did it, but let's be honest, we could sit today and I could turn the news on and we would see countless things that looks like that didn't actually happen. But the writer of Hebrews is trying to get across this thing of actually, it was. When he rose again from the dead, he put everything under his feet. He put everything under subjection to him. Everything was now submitted to him, but we don't yet see it. But then the next line says, but we see Jesus. Because when we see Jesus, it reminds us of the fact that actually that's what he's done. But when I see the problems, when I see the situations, when I see the the kind of all the situations going on in the world today, whether environmental like the Amazon, whether political with all the different situations in this country or other countries around the world, whether um, social and the kind of mistreatment of people or whatever it may be, whether whether health-wise and just the kind of growth of diseases and things that are affecting people, whether just the horrendous news stories of like the random occasions where someone lost a child or someone's son suddenly died or whatever it may be, all those things that just you read and think, well, that's good news, isn't it? And it's not, it's horrible. And we look at it and we don't see those things subject to Jesus. We don't see those things under his feet. And therefore, if we focus in on those things, what happens is we start to see no hope. We start to see no possibility. We start to see, actually, that it's not going to get any better. And we start to drown in those situations. And we start to, to respond in a kind of fearful way. We start to either retreat, or we start to fight against certain things, but perhaps not from a place of strength. Or we start to do whatever we do, and we just kind of try and hide away from it, or keep, keep ourselves insulated for it, or manage it, or whatever we need to do. But the right of Hebrews is saying that we might not see those things under his feet. We not, might not see those things subject to him, but we do see Jesus. And he's asking us to shift our attention to look at Jesus. Because by looking at Jesus, it means where we come at those things from is a different place. Our perspective changes. We're not saying that um, those challenges, those uncertainties, those difficulties, all those things aren't there. But it changes our perspective when we look at them. It changes our vantage point when we look at them. Because we see Jesus in the same way that Zachary and Levi could have watched I don't know, My Little Pony, I'm just trying to do the opposite end of the spectrum, and therefore wanted to, I don't know, go and find a pink horse and ride a pink horse, whatever that would be. Um, That view of that changes their behaviour, changes what they do. But watching Ninjago changes their behaviour to want to then do the kind of rough-and-tumble ninja style. Um, In the same kind of way that when I'm engaged with all the world stuff that's going on, whether that's for me personally in my own family, whether that's just for me personally as a human, or whether that, that's in my city or in my nation or in the world, there's, there's enough stuff to go, it doesn't feel that great right now. 
There's enough stuff. It doesn't take long to find those stories. And when I focus on those things, what it does is it causes me to change. However that may be, we all respond in different ways. Some people will retreat right back and go, okay, I'll just protect me and mine. And I'll just be in my little kind of thing. And anything comes near that and I will react big time to it. Some people go, actually, this isn't okay. I'm going to try and fight it all. I'm going to take on the system. I'm going to take it all down. And then they create a new system. And a new system doesn't necessarily help. And the point is that how we respond in anywhere between those two things is unique. It's individual to each of us. But the point is because of what we're seeing, it causes it changes us. But when I turn my attention to Jesus and I focus in on him and I remember the fact that he is... He has put all these things under subjection to him. He has put all these things under his feet. Whilst those situations might not immediately change, it changes my perspective of those situations. It changes my perspective of those things and therefore the way I respond to them is entirely different. The way that I am regarding them is completely different. Suddenly they don't provoke fear and anxiety and worry, but it provokes a different kind of sense of actually, I've seen him and he's over all of those situations he is he is God of all he is the one that overcame death and I've seen him and therefore I'm not filled with fear anymore I'm not filled with dread and anxiety but I'm filled with hope and I'm filled with confidence and I'm filled with boldness to maybe go and challenge those situations but not from a place of fear or a place of anxiety or whatever it may be but from a place of confidence and boldness and that's why the author of Hebrews is trying to shift our attention and it's very, very pertinent for me in my, in my mind for now that we don't see all these things in, under, in subjection to him. We don't. Let's be honest, we don't. Yeah. We see so many things nowadays that are not in subjection, apparently, to him. But they are. And therefore, my encouragement to us is that, and again, it's very, very um, objective and abstract at the minute, but, but that we see Jesus. And we can look at what that means to do that, but, but just in the sense of actually let's shift our focus from that to that does it mean I don't look at those situations of course it doesn't but I look at them from the stance of the fact I see Jesus first he's who I see first and then I'm going to look at those things if you just go to Matthew 14 it says this I'm going to read the story we're going to start at 22 I'm going to read a very famous story, and you'll probably guess where I'm going with this straight away. Um, but this whole idea of seeing Jesus in amongst the storm, in amongst the chaos, in amongst all that kind of stuff, we see Jesus. It says in verse 22 of chapter 14, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the side, while he sent away the multitudes. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled at saying, It is a ghost, because they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat he walked on the water to go to Jesus but when he saw that the wind was was boisterous he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried saying Lord save me and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him oh you have little faith why did you doubt 
And when he got, got back into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. It's a brilliant story, brilliant account, brilliant kind of moment, but it ties so closely into what we've just been talking about, that, that we could look at the storm that was against them as, as, as those things that in our current lives, in our current world, personally, family, city, community, world, whatever it may be, that are against humanity. Those things that are kind of against us, that we feel that actually those things that we think should be under subjection to Jesus, those things that Jesus did defeat on the cross, the wind is those things. But the beautiful thing within this story is that, that Jesus came walking to them on the water. So again, Jesus is demonstrating this situation that these things are under my feet because I'm walking on the water. This storm is in subjection to me because I'm walking on the water. I'm not in a boat. I'm not swimming in the water. I'm, I'm walking on the water. I'm making a point of the fact that this set of circumstances, this set of things is under my feet. It's, it's beneath me. Not in a belittling kind of way, but in the, in the sense that actually I am above these circumstances. These circumstances are subjected to me. And the beautiful thing about this, there's so many ways you could go with it, but it's the, is that the fact that Jesus didn't let the disciples stay in confusion about who it was on the water. When, when they saw him initially, they were scared. It's like, it's a ghost. And he's like, no, no, don't be afraid. It's me. So, they, so, they, so he enabled them to in, immediately see that, that, it, that it was him. That Jesus isn't wanting us to stay in confusion about, is that God, is that not God? It, is that God's will, is that not God's will? That Jesus clarified to the disciples, look, it's me. You don't need to be afraid. And in our own lives, when we're going, God, where on earth are you in this situation? He's not trying to hide. He's not trying to be a ghost, to be mysterious. In the amongst all that storm and that chaos and that kind of stuff, and we're going, God, I have no idea what on earth you're doing right now. I have no idea where you are right now. He is wanting, just like Jesus, to go, look, it's me, I'm here. I'm here. Because Jesus knew that for the disciples or for humanity to do what he was doing and to put those things under their feet, they needed to be able to see him. God isn't trying to hide himself from us. Jesus wasn't trying to hide himself from the disciples. He wanted to reveal himself to the disciples. God wants to reveal himself to us. Because when he does and we see him, it means we start to see him. And there might be all kinds of other chaos going on, but we see him. And that enables us to do what he's doing. It enables us to bring those things that are under his feet, under our feet. To bring those things that are against us and causing us in our boat to be tossed and to and fro and just anxious and scared and worried and all those kind of things to bring those things under our feet because then peter says and we know this story really well peter says god if it is you there's still that doubt isn't there god if it is you god if you are actually there and amongst all this cow stuff ask me to come and there's a really powerful part of this that, that god that jesus did ask him to come he did say come. Now Peter could have done what we sometimes do and what I know I sometimes do. Just be really relieved at the fact that, that he said come. Like go on, come onto the water. And just almost be pleased with that. The, 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 the so often in my own life is actually I hear a word from God or I hear something that just brings a peace to me. It's like okay yeah, God, it is Jesus. He asked me to come onto the water. Or I've just read something or I've heard someone preach. It just made me feel really good right now. And that, that's not wrong. But, 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 but sometimes that I need to be careful that I don't just let that, that word come be the end of it that that call to come out be the end of it but actually go okay i'm not just going to hear you say come i'm not 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 just going to hear what you've got to say but i'm actually going to do what you've asked me to do 
I'm actually going to step out of the boat. I'm actually going to step out of my comfort zone. Not that it's particularly comfortable in the boat, but out of that place of safety, out of that place of like familiarity. I'm going to step into the unknown. I'm going to step into the place where you are. And it's just fascinating to me that the boat could represent so many, many different things. The boat could, could represent the place where I have retreated to. That's my safe zone. doesn't mean that I feel necessarily safe or secure. I might feel really scared still, but it's a heck of a lot more safe in the boat than it is on the water. It's a heck of a lot more safe where I am right now than it is out there, putting myself out there. And that Peter stepped out of his comfort zone, whatever that may be, he stepped out of that place where it was comfortable to go and bring those circumstances and, and situations under subjection to him. Because now Peter, by walking on the water, was doing exactly what Jesus was doing. Because Peter realised it is you. And you asked me to come and I can see you. And therefore because I can see you, I can do what you're doing. Because I can see you, I can be where you are. And these circumstances and these situations and these chaotic times that we live in are under Jesus' feet. They are, right now. It's not if and buts and maybes. The circumstance doesn't tell us whether it's true or not. Jesus said, I've defeated death and I am over it all. He led captivity captive. And therefore, he wants us to come into that same place of going, actually, these circumstances are, can be under your feet too. These situations you face in your own personal lives, these situations you see in your family, in your friends, in your neighbourhood, in your schools, in your, in your city, in your country, wherever it may be, these things can be under our feet too. But you're just saying, look, you've got to come step on the water keep your eyes fixed on me and step on the water because we know don't we that it took Peter to do that and not just stay in the boat with the others it took Peter to step out of his comfort zone and not just stay in that place of semi-security that was the boat and sometimes I know for me I know when I get scared I retreat when I feel anxious I retreat I just go right I'm going to come and almost come back to the place of least responsibility and just be in that environment right there and then and I'm sure other people do other different things some people might do that but it's that that for me that's my boat it's almost like a reaction like that stretched me too far God I'm going to come right back now just that place of security doesn't mean I feel great there but it's safer here than it was there and it's almost like I feel like God is saying to us look firstly I want you to fix your eyes on me I want you to see me I want you to see Jesus in amongst all this chaotic stuff gaze and see me and we'll look at what that means practically to do later but actually, secondly, not just to see me, but I want you to step out to where I am. To step out of your comfort zone, to step out of that place of safety, out of the boat and come and walk on water. Because by walking on water, you're basically saying, actually, these circumstances are subject to me too. These situations, these chaotic times we live in, they are subject to me too. And the fascinating thing for me is in that moment, those circumstances were still taking place. Those, the wind and the waves were still happening around Peter it wasn't that Peter stepped out and then it calmed down it wasn't that Peter stepped out and then everything went away it wasn't that as I step out of my boat or out of my comfort zone that suddenly now everything is brilliant every situation I was ever worried about is now all sorted and everything's fine and no problem and I'm walking on calm water which is cool enough in itself but actually Peter stepped out into a storm and now we don't know what would happen post that point because we know that he took his eyes off Jesus and focused on the storm and began to sink. But it doesn't necessarily mean that when I'm looking at Jesus that immediately every situation changes, but it means that I recognise the fact that actually they're subject to you. And actually when I look at you, they're subject to me too. And therefore eventually the storm passes. Eventually the chaos goes. Eventually the circumstances change. It might not be straight away. 
I'm not saying I'm not preaching anything of don't don't expect that to happen. But what I'm trying to say is that that wasn't the key in this moment. The key in this moment for Peter and the key in the moment for Peter and Jesus was that actually, Peter, you need to see these things are subject to you. They may be kicking off all over the place right now, but they're subject to you. And actually, when you realise that, that's when stuff starts to change. When you realise that, that's when stuff starts to be different. Not when you step out and it all calms down, because then you don't know that they are. You don't know that actually you are an overcomer, that you can overcome these situations, these circumstances. And I think that that's the thing for Peter. I think that there's perhaps an expectation in his mind that when I step out, actually everything will calm down. Everything will stop after that point. And because it didn't, he then shifted his attention to the waves and began to sink, began to be consumed by the chaos again, began to be consumed by all the stuff that was going on. And actually, I think Jesus was trying to get him to realise that step out, walk on it when it's chaotic, walk on it when it's mad, walk on it when it's difficult, but you're still walking on it. You're still above these situations. And eventually, because you know you're above the situations, they'll start to change. The situations will start to adjust. They'll start to be there. But it's not... You need to see that you, you actually overcome them because you can step out in amongst them. You can be present there, but they're subject to you. And we know the story, don't we? We know that, that how profound that Peter moved his eyes off of Jesus and began to sink. Now, Jesus rescued him immediately, which again is a beautiful thing. That when we do that, when we drown, let's be honest, we will. We, we will get consumed by our problems. And it's not that Jesus goes, look, you messed that up, didn't you? He immediately rescues him. He immediately comes back to his aid. And he does to ours. But he's, he's trying to help us to shift our focus from the circumstance, our focus from the difficulty, our focus from the challenges and the, and the times we live in to him. And let our gaze be on him. Let our gaze be focused in on, on what went on. Because the powerful thing in this story is that when they got back in the boat, the storm ceased. Which showed that perhaps the lesson, not in a way of testing, but the lesson for Peter was over. That Jesus was so in control of the storm that he actually didn't necessarily want the storm to stop. Perhaps he wanted Peter to stop the storm. Who knows? We don't know. But the point is, why did the storm stop as soon as they got back in the boat? Because it suggests that Jesus was so in control of it that he wasn't going, okay, it can do anything. But actually, I, I can stop it at any point. But actually, what I want to happen is I want you to stop it. Because we're co-laborers. I want you to be the one that says, actually, storm, you cease whilst you're standing on it. Not just because I do it, but whilst you're standing on it. In the same way that he wanted his disciples to go and do stuff and he empowered them to go and do that. That everything is subjected to Jesus. And perhaps he's saying to us, let's step out of the boat into the chaos, but walk on it. It's subject to you as well. And then bring calm to it. Bring still to it. But from a place of not security in the boat, but actually in amongst this stuff. Knowing you're above it, knowing that, that you're seated with him, knowing where we are, and actually I've been calm to that situation. And it calms around you, not just because he not just because it, it calms because you step up, but it calms because we tell it to calm. There's so much stuff going on right now in the world. There's so many things. There's so many things that we, we, we think aren't subject to him, but they are. And we can retreat away from them back to the boat we can accept it as part of God's plan um, which the storm wasn't we can justify it or even just be able to explain it when it's like this right now because a society we've made these decisions and this is the consequence that we can do all that kind of stuff and make ourselves feel insulated and make ourselves feel comfortable from it and go actually I can explain why the world is like it is right now I can explain why Boris Johnson is in like he is right now I can, I, can, I can explain why there's Amazon fires right now I can explain why Donald Trump is like he is I can explain all these things or I can I can say well actually there's yeah it's going on like this but we can do all those things we, or we can just hide from it just pretend it doesn't affect us 
So I'm happy, I've got my job, I've got my house, I've got my family, let, let, let me just enjoy that. Nothing wrong with those things. But actually, he's not asking us to explain it, he's not asking us to justify it, he's not asking us to accept it, he's not asking us just to retreat from it. What he's asking us to do is to step out onto the water and let remind us that, that those things are subject to us. Not in a dominating way of like, I will be in charge of people and they will do what I want them to do. But in terms of circumstances. And that idea of actually, I don't want you just to go, well, I know why it's windy right now on this sea because you've got this wind coming from this way and it's a storm time, all that kind of stuff. That, that's not what Jesus asked them to do. He asked Peter to step out. He asked him to come and walk on water because he wanted him to realise that in the same way that they're under my feet, they're under your feet. In the same way that, that I am in authority over them, so are you. And I want you to see me. And as you see me, as you shift your gaze from those circumstances, from the analysis we do of them, from the, the fear we have attached to them, as you shift your gaze from those to me, you'll realise that actually they're subject to you too. doesn't mean they change immediately. doesn't mean they disappear straight away. But actually you start to realise, actually, I'm not scared of it anymore. I'm going to bring authority and reign and rule over it. That we need to step out of the boat. That we need to realise that those things are subject to Jesus and therefore subject to us. That we need to see them under our feet and because they're under his. That we need to see him is the bottom line. And that's such an abstract statement. But we need to see him. The writer of Hebrews didn't write it from a place of physical relationship with Jesus as a man himself. The writer of Hebrews wrote it from a point of view of saying, we're going to turn our attention to this Jesus Turn our attention to him, not because I can see him physically living there. Jesus had died and gone to heaven by that point. But from a point of view, actually, I engage with him. That we need to take time and see him, and we'll unpack this next few weeks, but to see him as he's revealed in the Bible. To, to, let, to let the scriptures be illuminated to us by the Holy Spirit again and again. We've read it, we know so much of it, but let the Holy Spirit take us back. That God spoke through the prophets. He spoke through the Old Testament to reveal Jesus. Let, let the Holy Spirit take us back and reveal this is what Jesus looks like. Let me show you what he's like. Let me show you who he is again. In the Gospels, let, let us look at the way he behaves and interacts, that we see him again. That we see it when other people preach, when we listen to podcasts, when we do those kind of things, that we start to see Jesus in their preaching and in the way that... What, what they're unpacking. That we start to see Jesus in prayer, in our time just with him, and listening, and, and, and giving our requests and things. We start to see Jesus in that way. We start to see Jesus in worship, and we start to just enable that thing to happen. I'm not necessarily talking about that we imagine what he looks like, but that idea that we see him and who he is. And as we do that, it starts to change us. And we start to be those who step out onto the water and go, actually, I'm starting to realise that because I see you and the way you are, these situations are subject to me. And actually, I'm going to bring calm to this storm because it's subject to me. And I'm in authority over it. I'm going to bring calm to the, the chaos that goes on in the world today. I'm going to bring calm to the sickness and disease, to the exclusion, to the, to the fear, to the anxiety, whatever it may be. There's so many things that are prevalent in our schools, in our cities, in our workplaces, in our wherever it may be, in our streets. And he's asking us to take time, just take a step back from all of it and go, actually, I'm going to give my attention to you. Because I'm going to see those things in subjection to you. And when I see that, I realise that you're in subjection to me too. So Holy Spirit, I ask over the next few weeks, you would help us in the people that prepare and study these things out and to preach, to kind of communicate it in a way that is effective so that we can understand how it is that we see you. And how that is done practically. 
but also Holy Spirit, I ask that in this week ahead that you would help us to see you. I thank you in the same way that when you walked on water, you weren't trying to hide yourself from the disciples. That as soon as they asked who it was, you revealed yourself. As soon as they wanted to know, you showed yourself. Jesus, thank you that you're revealed to us this week by the Holy Spirit. That you're not trying to hide yourself from us. You're not trying to be mysterious and distant away from us. But you want to reveal yourself. So let us be... Let us see you this week. Let us see you as we turn to our Bible just to read our daily devotional. Let us see you as we engage in prayer and worship. Let us see you as we listen to podcasts. Let us see you as we read that book. Let us see you in the lives of our friends and family. Let us see you. And let our seeing of you be bigger than our seeing of the circumstances, the wind, the waves, the the chaos in Jesus' name. Let, Let our seeing you be bigger than all of those things. They let us take time to engage with you. Let, let us take time to engage, especially when things seem so big, things seem so unsubjected to you. Let us take time to engage on you and remind ourselves actually all things, everything is in subjection to you. Everything is under your feet and therefore under ours. Let us take time to realise that by seeing you. And then amongst the storm and amongst the chaos, let our eyes be fixed on you. Let the intention of our heart be engaged with you. In Jesus' name, amen.